Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to a joint episode of the Unstoppable CEO Podcast and the Advisor Inner Circle Podcast. My name is Steve Gordon and I'm here with my friend John Curry. John, welcome. Hi, Steve. We're going to call this another episode in the Curry Chronicles because you've now become a regular on uh, on the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Um, and... Uh, I shouldn't tell you this because it's going to make your head even bigger than it already is, but we actually get really great feedback on these episodes. So um, I'm glad you're here, uh, despite the fact that I've enlarged your ego. <laughs> and We'll you know, work on my confidence level, would you? Okay. I need help. There we go. So uh, we're going to talk about that some today, I think. Um, you know, we, we did an episode not too long ago on fear, and we've gotten... Great feedback on that, um, and I think it it helped a lot of people kind of frame where we are right now in the world, and um, and so we're sitting here um, drinking coffee and brainstorming a little bit, and we said, hey, let's record another episode on that because we have some new and and different thoughts, and uh, um, and so we're going to go into that today. I don't know exactly where this is going to go. This is unscripted. We're just going to see where it goes and, and uh, trust that something good's going to come out. Well, also the last few days, we've had a hell of a lot of things happening around our nation to cause us to rethink this thing called fear mm-hmm. and not letting it control our lives personally and professionally. So there's a lot to work with. And I just, I'm excited to see where it goes because like you, I'm not sure what's going to come out of my mouth today. So let's just have fun. <laughs> this fear thing, man, it is... Uh... It's really, it's really gripping people. And even so, one one of the things I've noticed, John, is with the entrepreneurs I'm talking with, they kind of break into two camps. Um, there are those who are really fearful of what's happening, and they're sort of stuck. But I would actually say the majority of them are um, are not there. They're moving forward, but they're dealing with a lot of people who are feel fearful around them, whether that's clients and customers vendors, staff, and I think that can be a particular challenge when you're sort of the one that's pushing forward and everybody around you is saying, I got to jump in the foxhole and hide my head. And you're saying, no, let's charge. You know, it'll be okay. Um, I I think that can be a challenge. And and a lot of people, I think, end up questioning themselves. Again, I don't know where we're going, but that's what I'm seeing right now. Well, let me jump on that. I, I find it not only with my clientele, but also my team, my immediate team around me. So I find that as a leader, it's my job, my obligation, if you will, that people that are in my sphere of influence, that I have to help them find a way to get some peace of mind so they're not dealing in the fear. So how do I do that? I ask them, be careful of who you allow into your mind. If it's constant negatives, turn it off. Or if you just got to listen to it from a friend or family member, because sometimes we get friends and family that are negative and we can't get away from them, but you can control. So, but I think the best way is to lead by example. Here's where we are. And I admit, I'm fearful of this. This is causing me to have some sleepless nights. How about you? Yeah, yes. You're scared too? Yeah. So how do we deal with it? That's called accepting reality. And once we accept reality, then we can move on to taking steps to fix it. 
But if we're hiding and we're playing make-believe that it's not there, then we're not going to have the internal strength to deal with it. So I think it comes down to taking people by the hand, whether it be team, staff, employees, call them what you want to call them. I call mine team. And same thing with your clients, customers, patients, whoever you're working with, you have to guide them. And you've also got to take a step back, perhaps, and meet them where they are, because they may not have the confidence and the strength you do. And, and I hope we'll get into talking about how do you increase your confidence and lessen the fear, because uh, to me, that's key. I learned, I learned that early on, playing football in high school, but especially in the military. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think confidence is, I, you told me at one point, you know, we talked in the last episode that we talked about fear, about some of the challenges that, that I went through 10 years ago. And you told me at one point during all of that, <laughs> that, that confidence is the whole game. Right. And so I want to get into some of that. I also remember telling you that they can't eat you. Yeah. And they can't, they can't eat you. I, mean, I wouldn't taste good anyway. That's right. uh, not even with hot sauce. So, um, so, you know, as, as we're looking at this, we're, we're recording this. I don't know. We're like a month out from the election. Don't worry, folks. We're not going to get political. But that isn't the point. The election is happening. And at the end of this, you're going to have close to 50% of the population, no matter what happens, no matter who wins, close to 50% of the United States population. And it might break that way worldwide. I don't know. Um, but half the population, the losing half in the election is going to be fearful of what's going to happen. It's just the way it's going to be um, because everything has been amped up. And, um, and, and so even if you're not feeling the fear, you're going to need to lead through that. And, I, you know, I really believe it's a very dangerous thing. This whole, the, the, the way that fear is being used right now on both sides of, of this craziness mm-hmm. and, and both sides are doing it. Uh, no doubt about that. But the way that it is being used is, in my opinion, evil. Uh, I think the the number one use of fear in communication is to control people. And I, I think it's a, a bad thing. I think it's the enemy. Um, and so the question is, well, how do you, when somebody's trying to influence you that way, how do you respond to it? Well, let's do this. Let's start with the basics. If you don't know what you want and where you're going, it's easy for someone to manipulate you. But if you're clear on what you want, we use the word clarity a lot. Mm-hmm. If I'm clear on where I want to go, then maybe I don't need to stop and ask for directions, do I? And if you all of a sudden want to tell me where I should be going, say, no, thanks. Steve, I'm pretty clear. I'm going to that corner there. You want me to go there? I don't want to go there. I'm going over here. Thank you very much. I appreciate your friendship. But on this issue, I'm going here. So now we can do that without being a horse's butt. We can do that, but we can't do it if we're not clear on what we want. So it goes back to what's the lifestyle I want to live. Uh, I I go back to the freedoms again that we learned from our friend Dan Sullivan. And I added one location freedom, but he talks about time, money, and relationship freedom. And I have one I've added for location. I want the ability to be independent enough that I can do anything I want when I want. Now, we can't be totally independent. I get that. I'm not naive because you have a home, you got obligations, but I want the ability that if I want to take a week off or a month off, I can go do it without worrying about the time, my money, endangering relationships, but I want that ability. 
Yeah, it's funny. I've got a term that I've been using lately, John, around independence. Um, you know, people talk about the radical left and the radical right. I don't really care about either of those. Same here. I want to be radically independent. Yes. And what I mean by that is exactly, I want to be able to exercise those four freedoms in any way that I choose that's legal, moral, and ethical. Yep. And, don't lie, cheat, or steal. Yeah. And, <clears throat> um, and, and, Frankly, no, nobody should be able to tell me otherwise. You know, we've had this conversation in various ways over the years. I think we're only to now, what, about 12 years, I'm guessing? Mm-hmm. Longer than that, because I had my heart surgery yeah. in 2008, so call it 12 years. <clears throat> and, you know, in one form or another, over breakfast, lunch, dinner, drink, coffee, whatever, we both have the mindset that we want to grow. We want to help our chosen clients. But yet... We're not going to suck up and kiss up just to get business. Now, if you are fearful and you're worried about not making money, you can't do that. But if you've taken steps to become more independent by having some money in savings, so you don't need every customer, uh, you don't need every employee. So if somebody comes in, they're giving you a hard time, you say, well, if it's not a good fit, I understand. You know, we'd love to have you here, but obviously you're here now. But if it's not a good fit, we understand. It's okay. See, most people can't handle that because they're looking for a fight. But if you're so cool and calm because you got your act together, you don't have to be a horse's butt, do you? But people who lose their cool and get angry, it's usually because they don't have their own lives in order. So I like to tell everybody that I talk with or coach, what are you doing to take care of your own personal economy. That's where you should start. Start there. And then you won't worry about what the Democrats and the Republicans are thinking. Because the truth of the matter is, they're all like sprayed cockroaches. They are screwed up. <laughs> Period. And if you listen to the news, I've been watching the debates and I'll continue watching them if they hold them because I want to hear what's being said. I'm the kind of guy, I don't just listen to one TV station or radio. I want both conservative and liberal, I'll form my own opinion because like you, I want to be independent. But then I also have sense enough to turn that damn TV off mm-hmm. and not listen to the negative messages all the time. Yeah. Well, I, I love this idea of personal economy um, and you've talked about it a number of times. Um, you know, it, look, there, obviously there is the larger economy and I don't think I don't think what we're saying is to be kind of a Pollyanna about what is going to happen there. Cause I've been, you know, caught up in a change in the larger economy that was beyond my immediate control and influence. Right. And, and you, as you know, I kind of, I struggled with that for a while because I always want to be responsible, you know, and at the end of the day, what I got out of that experience was, yeah, the stuff's going to happen out there that, that does impact you. However, you're responsible for and largely in control of your personal economy and maybe not minute by minute, but certainly over time, you have the greatest influence over it and more of an influence over it than what the Fed's doing or what, you know, whether or not the stimulus bill passes or whatever happens, whether we're in recession or not, because you and I both know businesses that are thriving right now. And we both know businesses that are getting hammered right now. Mm-hmm. And some of it's just luck. Some of it good luck, bad luck. Some of it is 
the entrepreneur looking at it and saying, all right, well, this is the situation. Telling the truth. Mm -hmm. Here's where we are. And here's my vision of where I want to go. And the way I wanted to go to get to that ultimate peak, the, the road's blocked. And it's not going to be opened again. Or, How am I going to go around? Or the road may be washed out totally, not just blocked. Blocked. It could be destroyed. It could, the mountain could be gone. <clears throat> so we have to be candid about it and say, okay, look, maybe the truth is that what I was doing before, I can't do anymore. Okay. I was over here selling widgets. Well, nobody wants my widgets. So I got to go over here and sell whatever. We may have to change. But it takes courage to admit the truth, face reality, and then make a correction. And anyone who has been in business or been in a, any career, you've, you've been through that. I would encourage people listening to go back in their minds and think back to adversity. I'm gonna go back to 2008. You mind we talk about that? No. Your business side and personal side in mind? You and I both went through some tough times in 2008. Mine was in the form of a triple bypass heart surgery and business being down, okay? The economy was bad. My income in one part of my business was cut in half that year, cut in half. Now, imagine you're going through heart surgery, you're recuperating, July 10th, 2008, and then your income is down because the economy went to hell in the handbasket. Everybody was hurting in one way or another. At the same time, I could have laid in bed, sucked on my thumb in the fetal position, whine and complain. And I did some of that. For about two weeks, I was hurting so badly. I just pretty much did that. However, you and I both know from conversations, I didn't stay there very long. Even two days after getting out of the hospital, well, actually, the next day after the hospital, you, you and I had breakfast. Mm -hmm. We had breakfast together. So we have a choice. We can... We can and it's okay to sit there sometimes and cry in your beer. But then you got to say, okay, damn it, I've had enough of that and move on. Well, Dan Kennedy said something. Uh, I'll never forget this. Because, um, <laughs> uh, you know, he's, he'll, he'll tell the story about how he was given a presentation at the front of the room. Um, oh, making a pit sales pitch. <laughs> I remember and his car got repossessed yeah, outside. Right. And everybody <laughs> could see it. Right. You know, well, what are you going to do? Uh, well, you're going to keep selling because that's the only way you're going to get the car back. And, <laughs> you know, he said something back then um, that, you know, look, everybody's got the, those kind of crawl in the fetal position moments. The difference is how much do you allow them? You know, what, what, how much air do you give them? And, you know, he said, just, you need to put it on. If you got to put it on the calendar, put it on the calendar and have your cry in your beer, you know, half hour or 15 minutes or whatever, and go cry in your beer. I mean, like, sob. And then when the timer goes off, get back to work. Right. I agree with that totally. I think we all need to have our little pity party. And then you got to get a really good case, a big dose of what I call competitive anger. Yeah. My way of saying it is this. I am pissed off at myself. I don't like it. Now I'm going to fix it. Mm -hmm. And when you get that mindset, all of a sudden you'll be a little bit angry. Then you'll feel the calmness and you'll work on it. 
But I also know this. For me, I had to get out and be among people. The relationships are the key. So in the business side, what I've been doing more and more, I'm having conversations either by phone or face-to-face with more clients than ever. And you know what I'm hearing? They're like, wow, John, thank you so much. I feel so much better having talked with you. So nice to hear your voice. So that, like I chill bumps, just talking about that. See that? But when you can do that and have a conversation, thinking of a, a, a couple last night, um, they responded to one of our podcasts that was released yesterday about the coronavirus. Uh, both the husband and wife were tested positive this week. And he said, your timing was impeccable because we listened to that and we're feeling better. Thank you so much. So that was an email and I called him and we talked about 10 minutes. He said, it's so nice to hear your voice because right now we're kind of down in the dumps. So I gave them a little lift and listening to him gave me a lift. So that's a way of increasing your confidence and your energy level instead of dwelling on the negative. So it goes back to that concept of relationships. The relationships that we have with our customers, our clients, they need us more now than ever. And that's why we do podcasts. That's why we send emails. Hey, we're here. But nothing, nothing can beat either that telephone call or that face-to-face chat. Absolutely. So, John, I want to... I want to make sure that folks listening to this don't the don't take this as if we're prescribing or preaching. I think really what this is and and where I see the value here is you're hopefully getting a demonstration of the way that we think about these things. And and I think that's the value. And I know I've benefited I've benefited tremendously over the years of just looking at somebody else who's who is either in the circumstance I'm in or has been in it and understanding how they, they viewed it and approached it. Uh, I was able to, to look at that and take the parts of it that were valuable. Well, I agree with you because I would say this, I've made my share of mistakes. I would just admit some here right now. Okay. I've screwed up on handling money in the early part of my career, had a whole bunch of taxes owed, had tax liens had to deal with, I had two cars repossessed in 1978. So I've made all the mistakes, too much credit card debt and get obsessed with paying it off, run it back up. And today, I don't have any of those issues. I don't owe any debt to anybody. Don't have any balances on credit cards because I practice what I preach today. That is get your damn act together first before you start going out educating other people Hmm. or at least work on it in the same time you're doing it. But I don't want to come across as preachy because I know that I'm just as capable as anybody else of making mistakes. I made a big one Monday when I fell down some stairs. Okay, <laughs> slipped down. I wish we had that on film. Uh, I'd like to see it myself because I've got one hell of a bruise from the left armpit down to my ribs. I'd like to know how I landed on those steps. Well, you mentioned the word confidence a moment ago. And I, on my, uh, in my journal here in front of me, I drew a line. Um, so folks kind of envision a, a horizontal line on the page and on the very left end, I wrote fear. And on the very uh, far right end, I wrote the word confidence. And I, John, I view this as a continuum and I, I feel like it's easy to get pulled back and forth on the continuum. It's not like you're in one place or the other. You're somewhere 
on that continuum all the time. Absolutely. And I want to talk a little bit about the things that um, that I think influence you towards the negative end, towards fear, and influence you towards the positive end, towards confidence. And so... Before you go there, yeah. can I jump in on something? Yeah. I want to go back to what you said about being radically independent, because that fits right here. This you're about to cover, and we've not gotten into it. I saw you drawing it a while ago, and drawing your mind map thing, whatever you call that. So... But you cannot, you cannot deal with fear and confidence if you don't have somewhat a mindset of independence. Because if you don't, you will be um, blown by the wind. Okay, whatever this politician says or this politician or this make-believe coach or this guru or this wizard, whoever, you'll be blown back and forth. So you've got to have a mindset somewhere along the way that you're clear on what you want. You're going to act independently and not be beholden to everybody. And you got to quit kissing up and sucking up. You finally, at some point, you go, you know what? Some people just aren't going to like me. Boo-hoo. I'm over it now. <laughs> and then the ones who love you, that's who you spend your time with. The ones who don't like you, move on. You've heard me say before that if I were going to run for office... I would pretend that 40% love me, 40% hate my guts, and I'm going after the 20% that don't love me. But the ones who hate me, I'm not going to change their damn mind. So I'm going to hang out with the ones that can help me grow. Mm -hmm. Now, let's kick this fear and confidence around some. Well, absolutely right. I think where if you're listening to this and you're actually feeling pretty good and moving forward, where a lot of this stuff can apply is in having these kinds of conversations with your clients and with your team mm -hmm. because they, they're the ones that are often going to need your leadership. And so that's why I like to think of this, you know, kind of as a, a continuum. I like to, and I like to break it down into sort of practical behaviors because if we talk about fear and confidence, those are ideas. Right. But if we don't bring them down to like, what, are, what am I going to do today to increase my confidence and reduce my fear? Mm -hmm. It's kind of useless. I agree totally. So let's talk about fear first. Well, I, I will tell you, the, the biggest, I, for me, the number one driver is isolation. People withdraw, they retreat. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there's actually, you know, if you look at, at people who uh, suffer from mental illness, you know, where they've, they're suffering with paranoia or they're suffering with um, like delusional disorder or People think every, everybody is is sort of against them. Well, my mom went through a period of schizophrenia because yeah. she was taking a certain medication, took too much of it. So we dealt with that. So it, that's a miserable way to live. She was frightened of everything and everybody, including well, me. And, and what happens is, so those are sort of the extreme cases of people who are like living with almost uncontrollable fear, right? And the... The thing that is common with all of those is that they, those people tend to isolate themselves. And, um, and, and I mean, fear is just that. It's, it, it is this, the, this evil experience that tends to drive us away from other people. And, um, and so that's usually the first thing that I, I look for. If I see myself pulling back, um, that's to me, to me is a, a, a warning sign and a trigger. Well, let's apply that to business because everybody listens to this. You're either going to work, 
getting paid a salary or you're out there trying to create a business of some type. So here's the question. How do we do that in the business world? We stop our marketing. Okay, we give up on that. Well, nobody's going to buy anything. They're not paying attention. I don't want to spend the money. Big mistake. Just driving here to your place today for this studio. April and I were talking about moving forward. I said, let's redouble our efforts more and more. So we've got at least three or four more things that will be coming out next week that we'll be sending out to everybody in our database. Mm -hmm. My homework assignment is to sit down and write a one-page letter that will be done and in her hands on Monday to get out. You know? So you can either pull back or you can redouble your efforts. I choose to redouble. Right now is a great time to invest in business because the best investment are people that already are in my database. Hey, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. And take them by the hand, guide them, lead them, share some of what we're talking about even. Well, let's talk about why that is. Um, because every, every client you have, every prospect that you have, is dealing with fear right now because it's it's just being broadcast everywhere. And on top of that, there's uncertainty in the world, which generally tends to create it anyway. But they need somebody communicating with them that's showing them the way. Right. And, um, and so you have this tremendous opportunity to be the sort of leader out of the darkness for your little group of people. And the way that you do that is with marketing. And all marketing is is communicating with them. Right. And um, telling your telling your story and helping them. Yeah. And what, what's really interesting right now, I mean, they, you know, you, you and I have learned through all of our, our marketing education over the years that fear is a powerful motivator for people. Uh, what's really interesting right now is that one of the things we're noticing is that aspirational messages are actually working better. Because I think people are overloaded with the fear. They can't take any more in. And it's been very interesting to watch that. And to be able to go out and say, what? Everybody's fearful of this and that. But hey, here's the vision. There's a, I think there's a real opportunity in the marketplace. And I think in every marketplace. To be the one that creates that vision for your customers and your clients. So, um, so on the, the confidence end of the spectrum... One of the things that you mentioned before we started recording was vision, this idea of vision and it's the connection between vision and hope. Talk a little bit about that. Well, I, I can't give credit where I heard this, but it was a psychologist who spoke at a convention in Dallas, Texas in 1980. Actually, it was Tony Campolo. I remember the name now. He was on PBS a lot. He said that in the world of psychology, that when people lose hope, it's almost impossible to help them. You have to help them find hope. And the way you build hope is to start thinking in terms of things that you really want or you think you want. But if you want to destroy people, take away their hope. And he says, that's how cults work. You know, they, they kill your hope and you drive over here and they brainwash you to their way. Mm -hmm. So I, I just like to start with the word vision. What is it? Vision is another word for seeing, right? Mm -hmm. I see. What do I see in front of me? Well, let's see nothing. Okay, well, if I could build it, what would I want in front of me? And there are times when, you know, uh, don't you think I've had some fear this year looking at what's happening with the, the market, the volatility of the market? You lose all the gains you've, been, you've made in the market in March, then it comes back. And every day, like this week, 
Marcus up 500 points, down 300 points, 400 points from day to day. Don't you like roller coasters? Oh, I hate roller coasters. <laughs> I, don't, I haven't been on a roller coaster in 20 years. There's not five men strong enough to get me on one. No. And I don't like it with my money being on a roller coaster either. <laughs> so I don't let it get on a roller coaster. But I think, Steve, I see you're laughing at me over there. I, th- I think that if we have a clear I, vision of where I'm, we want to go. By the way, I'm laughing, not to interrupt you. I'm laughing because now I have a personal challenge of getting you on a roller coaster. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> you better give me some good, strong bourbon. <laughs> hey, I've already got a plan working. <laughs> and folks, if I can make it happen, there will be video. Oh, God. Thank you very much, my friend. I love you too. But I, but back to this, the vision. I think if we can force ourselves to just stop, just stop and say, what do I want? Not for anyone else. Be selfish about what is it do I want in all areas of my life? That's what I do occasionally. I I will tell you sometime tomorrow, I'm going to drive out to my property and I will just sit there. I might go out tonight, but I will just sit there. I'll have a cigar. I'll have either a scotch or a bourbon. I'll have this journal in front of me. And some of what will happen is, what do I want in these key areas? Time, money, relationships, and location. And I think I told you last time we were together, I put relationships first now. Okay. What relationships mean the most to me? Family, friends, colleagues, etc. Okay. What, who are the relationships I need to reach out and touch? What are the ones I've done a good job with? What are some I've not done so good? But I find that by doing those things, and then how am I using my time? How am I doing with my money? You know, uh, monitor that. And that increases my confidence. Because if I have some cash, liquid, that I can get to, to invest in my business, like we're going to do a mailing campaign of postcards, well, I've got the money set aside for that. Don't have to go borrow it. Don't have to use a credit card. It's there. All I got to do is transfer it from the cash account to the checking account when I'm ready. So that increases confidence and it gives you the willingness to have a plan. But let's talk about something else. And I want your feedback on this. Who are we listening to? Is it negative messages or positive messages? Because right now, if you, unless you're living in a cave, about every 30 seconds, there's a commercial on about who's the best president and dealing with fear and all this stuff. And I look at that stuff and I say, what a marketing genius these people are. And they are. The people who create those ads, they know exactly how to tug at our heads and our hearts to get us all riled up. I can't stand that person. You know, and all of it is whoever the hell gets elected president, you know what? It's going to be good and bad. Whoever's elected governor, good and bad. And that's why I keep preaching this whole thing about your personal economy. I am not going to get wrapped up in who is elected. I've already cast my vote. I vote by mail and have been for seven years now. I've already done it. So I know who I'm voting for. I did it. Now, now maybe my guy will win. Maybe he won't. But you know what? I'll be damned if I'm going to sit around worrying about who is going to be president to control my future. Because I'm not going to like what either one of them do any damn way. It gets in the way of, of making progress. And whether it's around the election, I mean, that's timely right now. Whether it's the pandemic, I mean, all of these things, it's not that they aren't 
real or serious. They're very real. They're very serious. Yes, and the the judgment that we place on or that we make of it is in 100% of our control. Yes. Okay? It's a story we're, we're telling ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I, I know people in, in my own family who have made up the story, and there are people that are going to listen to this think I'm absolutely crazy, but there, there are people in my family that have made up the story that, you know, effectively, you know, COVID-19 has, you know, got us on the path to extinction. You know, they won't say it like that, but their their behavior is such that we're all going to die. And well, then, we are. Eventually, yeah. We're all going to but die. But probably not at that <clears throat> Probably not. And there are people on, and I know... People on the other end, I have a couple of good friends who believe that it's a hoax. And they're both, you know, neither of them are are acknowledging the reality. They both made up stories. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to look at those and go, oh, well, that's silly, right? Because they're on the extremes of the stories. But all they're doing is the same thing that we're doing. Every one of us has made up a story about all of these different things that are happening. And, and back in 2008, I did it about the economic crash then. Right. Right. That's right. And, um, you know, and so the the thing to recognize and the, uh, the thing that I learned through that whole process, because I was making up crazy stories about that in my own head, about, you know, the, the fact that, you know, I was the cause of the failure that I was experiencing. And, and I certainly had a role to play in it. You know, but there were also factors that were, you know, market factors beyond my control. Um, and I certainly take responsibility for all the ones that I could control. And I take responsibility for reacting to and innovating through the conditions that were outside of my control. You know, the best coaches out there. Okay. I'm going to use Wayne Dyer as an example. If you read any of his books, he talks about taking responsibility, even if you didn't cause the problem. The minute you say, I accept this, this is my problem. I own it. Even if you didn't cause it, I own it. Next thing you know, you're like, okay, since I now have accepted ownership of it, what will I do with that? It's a very powerful, it's another way of saying, making your up your story. And isn't it interesting? You could watch the debate that happened the other night, and I could watch the debate where two reasonably intelligent men and we could walk away with different views, but we saw the same thing. Just like witnesses of an accident. They saw the same thing, they had different stories. Agreed? Mm-hmm. So we get to pick and choose how we react. Now I may walk out on the street and somebody punch me in the face. So That's a nice neighborhood, they probably won't do that. Probably not here, uh, but, let's, but I could get blindsided anywhere is my point, whether it be physically or by the economy or whatever. But what I can do is pause, look around me, make sure I'm safe. So with this, go back to the pandemic, uh, people are overreacting both ways as you're talking about it. It's a hoax, it's real, I'm gonna die. My mindset is this, I learned this from my dad when he was dealing with cancer. One day there were three ministers in his around the bed when he was dying and they were saying, how can you be so positive? He says, real simple. I'm not going to die until it's my time. Now, I don't want to rush things along. He was 85 at the time, 85 and a half. And he said, 
I'm not going to die until God wants me. And when he wants me, he's going to get me. And they're all looking around like, well, that's profound. And I thought it was very profound in the sense that now I can be stupid, okay, and go do stupid stuff that caused me to get injured. But we're told there are certain precautions we can take with the virus. So we can either accept those or not. We can say, well, I'm not wearing my mask because they can kiss my butt. I don't care. You know, <laughs> well, you're going to get in trouble if you take that mindset too, that approach. So I don't have, I don't have hardly any answers for other people. All I know for me is I've got to live my life, not day by day. Hell, I learned from my heart surgery. It's second by second. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, for me, the, what I want to really come through in this whole conversation, number one, I hope there's some practical takeaways that you can get through. But two is that as the leader of a business, a lot of people need you. And to the extent that you can help them become radically independent, help them to control their personal economy, talk with them about these ideas because they're feeling fear, guide them through all of this, you're going to create opportunity for yourself. And you're not doing it selfishly. You're actually doing something very valuable for people by giving them confidence, helping them see hope, helping them create a vision, you know, helping helping move them out of fear. And I think, and I, John, it's interesting. So Dan Sullivan said something recently on a podcast I was listening to. I can't remember which one it was. Um, but he said, you know, when uh, the lockdown was announced and, you know, he immediately sort of stopped and, and, and started reflecting, knowing that we're going into what will be a challenging economic time. And he started reflecting back through all the other recessions and difficult times that He'd been through a business and mm-hmm. he's old like you. So thank he's you. Been through a lot of them. I appreciate that. Uh, and Dan, if you ever hear this, I love you, man. <laughs> um, so, you know, but the point was, you know, I think he said like the first one kind of caught him off guard. He wasn't ready for it, but he began to learn as he'd gone through, I think six or seven of these through the course of his, uh, you know, his life that, when you go through these times, it actually opens up tremendous opportunity. And I believe that the reason that it opens up that opportunity is because you have most of, of the world recoiling, you know, mo- literally people are recoiling. We're, we've all recoiled into our homes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've literally pulled back and withdrawn from society because yes. of what's going on. And I'm not criticizing that. I'm just saying, if you objectively observe it, that is what is happening. Well, we've been on lockdown in businesses yeah. and also personally, no doubt about it. I know people who have not been out of their homes at all other than go to the grocery store and go to the pharmacy. Yeah. And and so I think it creates, I think in all of these, and this one may be even more pronounced, it creates an opportunity for those of us who already have this mindset of independence and who are able to sort of self-generate hope to go and then give that to other people. And, and I think that, that then leads to economic opportunity. No doubt about it. It happened just yesterday for me. Business came out of nowhere. Wasn't a huge amount of business. You know, 
But uh, it, it, it look, my uncle always said he's a truck driver. He said, it doesn't matter if it's a long haul or a short haul, I make some money. So big or small, help them all. So I'm sitting there having a conversation yesterday. The guy got really negative about some stuff. I said, wait a minute, look what you've already done. This is working. It could be better, but here's what you've done. So instead of trashing what he had, we talked about what's happened. He said, well, how would you change it? I said, well, here's what I've done myself. He said, well, I want that. I said, well, we're not prepared to get into that today. He said, well, let's stop the other stuff. I want that. Show me the pros and cons. So we were scrambling to bring up the right illustration to show him how that particular product worked. He said, I want that. Said, okay. So today, Jay, my colleague, is taking care of that for him. Well, I had no intention of doing any business yesterday, but because he saw a way to improve what he already had, and it was in the same vision, same direction as his vision, but lower fees, less risk, he said, I want it. So you're, you're correct. If we take the time to reassure people of what they got, if there's something not working, tell them. Tell them the truth. Look, this, this could be better. Here's why. Yeah, I can help if you want it. And then if they say no, that's okay too. But that, that's another thing about fear and confidence and asking for business. Are you fearful to ask? Why are you fearful? You're fearful because you don't have confidence in your product or yourself in order to ask the tough questions. So how do you fix that? So let's talk about some practical stuff you said a moment ago. First of all, stop. Stop right where you are. Carve out an hour and start asking yourself questions. How am I doing in the relationships? How am I using my time? What am I doing with my money? What about my location? You know, can I do business anywhere? Now, this pandemic has helped a lot of people rethink how they do business. We've been doing stuff online for a long time. I've got clients, I think it's, uh, it's either 11 or 12 states. So we've had to do a lot of online meetings for a long time. So I still prefer face-to-face, -face, but the reality is I have to do telephone and computer. It's been crazy. <clears throat> we've helped three clients just this year go from local businesses to national businesses. Mm -hmm. Opportunity is huge. It is huge. And those of us who are older, since you call me the old guy here, <laughs> I'll be 68 exactly two months from today. So I've had to adjust and learn things and rely on younger people on my team to guide me. So, and good looking too. Uh, well, I don't know about you, <laughs> but I wasn't thinking of you, my friend, but, but you are very important in part of my life and team. So I think that we surround ourselves with people that we can have a relationship with that will tell us the truth. And then the next thing I would say is identify in the marketing area who are the people you truly want to serve? So I'm very clear on that. I You cannot get me off track on who I want to serve. And because then all of my time, my money, and my energy is focused. So I do not want to panic and try to be all things to all people. I want to narrow that even more so now so that my money and my time is being used wisely. So ask yourself, are you working with the right people? Maybe you're not. Maybe it's time to change markets. Maybe something's gone awry and those people you're trying to serve just can't use your services now. If that's the case, admit it, 
you know, if there's future business there, keep in touch. But you may have to change directions. Some people have gotten out of one business and started another. You know, you and I've heard stories about that on some of our uh, coaching sessions. Mm-hmm. So I think from a practical standpoint, just stop. Take a little bit of time for yourself. Analyze those four freedoms, the relationship, the time, the money, and location, and whatever else is important to you. Maybe L's lifestyle. You know, where do you want to live? How do you want to live? And then determine who you want to serve. Because if you're not serving people, I got news for you, you're not growing. It's not just about selling. You've got to be bringing value to the table. And the more value we create, the more the more money we make for ourselves, the more opportunity, as you said earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think it's important, like you say, take stock of sort of where you are. But I love what you talked about earlier, writing down what you want and and making that a, a practice. Uh, you know, do it daily, great. Do it once a week, whatever. But do it regularly enough that uh, particularly right now that you can begin to really paint that vision and 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 own that vision it's one of the most powerful things that right at the beginning of all this john i went out um right after the stores opened back up i needed some some new journals i went bought a, a brand new journal and uh, I bought two, one for just my normal notes. And I, brought, I bought one where, and I, I'll just sit and do this. I do it several times a week where I'll just write out a, a version of what I want. And it's whatever comes to mind. I don't have any preconceived notions about it. Um, and, you know, maybe it's what I want in a particular situation. Maybe it's what I want, one of my broader vision. But just getting into that habit of talking about where I'm going has been um, one of the most effective things that I've done because it it, it helps keep me focused. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you one of the challenges I have, whether it be dealing with uh, friends, but especially clients. I'll hear a lot of, Here, I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want this. I say, can I stop you for a moment? I'm hearing a lot of what you don't want. Haven't heard one thing out of your mouth yet as to what you want. And you helped me with that. Remember down in Orlando that time? Okay. Want what you want. Remember that conversation? I do. I don't know how much of it you want to share. Go ahead. Share it. We're walking down the street. We're in Winter Park, Florida. That's right. Um, which if you've never been, you need to go visit. It's a suburb of Orlando and a higher end place. And uh, I was doing a workshop down there. So, uh, John was there as a client and uh, we traveled down together and we're having dinner. And uh, if you don't know, John's a watch guy and he's debating whether or not to buy this rather expensive watch. Well, actually it was a strap for the watch. Or strap for the watch, <laughs> right. And I mean, I think we, you talked about it on, we, it was a four hour drive down there. You talked about it a good part of the way down there. We talked about it at dinner. You're it's exaggerating. A, it's after dinner. <laughs> We're walking back to the hotel, and he's talking. I finally just stopped and said, "Just shut up." And if you, what do you want? Mm-hmm. That's right. And that's a powerful question. Most people don't know. In any given situation, my, my kids are the worst at this. They can't even tell me what they want for dinner half the time. We're gonna go out to dinner. We're gonna go out to have a nice meal. What do you guys want? Oh well, we don't know. I don't know. They can tell me. They can tell me what they don't want, but they can't tell me what they want. Right. 
and and I and I think and that's a silly example, but I actually think it's emblematic of of every area of our lives because it's hard to figure out what we want because there's so many choices. So many choices, but let me tell you something that, and I can't give credit where I learned this. I wish I could because it was powerful. It was it was life changing. I heard a guy say at a workshop early, early 80s, say, if you are at a restaurant and you're going through this, you don't know what you want, just pick something. I'll have such. Done. Place your order. Mm -hmm. And learn to make decisions quicker. Mm -hmm. Be concise and precise. Well, and, and so I think that's actually that is very smart. And the experience that I've had writing, you know, in this journal about what I want. Um, I don't give myself a lot of time to sit there and ponder. I take about 15 minutes to do it. I'm not like, you know, searching for, you know, the wisdom of the universe in, in this. I just write something down that comes to mind. What I've found is that by doing that quickly, but allowing myself to do it repeatedly over time, I'm actually getting a lot clearer about what I really want. <laughs> Okay. Yes. <clears throat> you know, and I think that's the opposite of what most people do is they sit there and go, I don't know what I want. Let me sit and ponder. And so they'll sit, you know, and sit and sit and sit and never really get clarity on what they want. I drive people around me crazy sometimes. We were coming back, uh, my girlfriend and I are coming back and through North Carolina, Selma, North Carolina, exit 97 on I-95 is a JR cigar outlet. So I ran in to get cigars and I walked to the back in the big humidor and I walked right over, picked up the three bundles of what I wanted, walked over and put them down. And the young lady says, sir, um, do you have any questions? I said, yeah, just ring me up, please. Thank you. And I was in and out of the store in less than five minutes. <laughs> and as I'm walking out, the manager saw me and said, sir, is everything okay? I said, great. Why? He said, well, you are in and out so quickly. I said, I already got my stuff. I got my three bundles of different cigars that I wanted. I'm good. Thank you. Have a good day. I get back in the car and my girlfriend says, you already done? Uh, yeah. I knew what I wanted. I went in I got it and I didn't want to chit chat. I just went in, paid for it and got back on the road. Now there are other times when I want to go sit down and have a cigar or a glass of wine and shoot the breeze. But if you know what your mission is and what you're doing, get in and get it done, get out. And, and, Again, bringing all this back around because I know we're we're, on, we're coming close to the, the hour here. Understanding what you want, I think, is the key to creating focus and the, one of the keys to creating confidence because it gives you a path to go on. It, True. it gives you the ability to get into action. To take action. And the key is this. I was hoping we'd get around to action because you can sit here and talk about it all day long. Okay? But if you don't take action, if you know you need to release some weight... You can talk about it all day long. Frankly, I've, I've allowed some of that weight to uh, attack me again. So I've been having to work on that because I got a little lazy with this pandemic. You lost some and it found you? It found me and I don't want it. So it's <laughs> got to go. But I got out of my routine of going to the gym. Couldn't go to the gym because it was locked up for a while. So I do my walking, but I didn't do other stuff. Anyway, long story short, I think that the more... We focus on what we want. It allows us to say no to the other people that are trying to influence us. And it goes right back to being, what you call it, radically independent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is, that's my, my new phrase. Um, and it's, 
I think it's it's not only a mindset, it's how I'm running the business now. Um, it's what I want for all of my clients. <clears throat> I feel like I have a responsibility to help them create that. And, uh, you know, and, and in my mind, when you have that mindset, it's not, to me, that's not a destination that you get to. It's a decision you make. I'm going to be this way. I like decisions better than destinations. Destinations are off in the future. And I'm an eight quick start on the Colby. I need it now. I like it's, I've thought of it. I need it. It's real. Yeah, but, yeah, but what happens if you get to a destination? You got to go someplace else. Sure. You can't stay there forever. No. Well, maybe you can. But the point is, uh, I learned early in my career, before you reach one goal, have another one. Mm -hmm. Because if you wait until you get there, guess what? Now you you, you get slowed down. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think sometimes we spend too much time worrying about crap that's never going to happen. Mm -hmm. Mark Twain has a quote about that. The gist of it is he spend more of his time worried about things that never happen. And all it does is create stress. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But, but it's human nature. We're going to do some of that. But I think that if we can circle back, I know just in this conversation, you saw me go back a few pages mm -hmm. to look at something that on September 18th, April and I were discussing, and it included you. You talked about Colby Index. You're an eight on the quick start. I'm a seven. Other people around me are three, two, and four, and four. Mm -hmm. Okay, so each of us have unique abilities, unique skill, unique knowledge, unique experiences. So it doesn't mean I'm better than you or you're better than me. We're just different. Mm -hmm. But if we take those differences and we tie them together, now we become more powerful. Mm -hmm. Everybody on the football team cannot be the quarterback or the receiver. We've got to have different positions. You know, and then so, so to increase your confidence, you've got to accept that too, that you can't do everything. You can't do it all by yourself. you got to surround yourself with people that will help you get where you want to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, you know, I work with some entrepreneurs who are solo or almost solo. You know, they might have a part-time assistant or something like that. And I work with others who have bigger, bigger companies and have a team. Um, the, the ones who struggle the most with confidence are in that solo category, inevitably. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, every single one of them. And I think the reason is that, that they tend to be isolated more uh, than, than others. Well, Dan Sullivan calls it, they're trying to be the rugged individual. Mm -hmm. I remember that from October 1994, first mm -hmm. session. You can be the rugged individualist or you can build a unique team and have some more freedom in all the areas that matter. Absolutely. Well, John... We've been going for a while. Um, I'm pretty sure there's a, a cold adult beverage in our near future uh, because we're going to take the, the afternoon and uh, just uh, have a little mastermind here. So, folks, I hope this has been helpful. Um, thanks for following along and putting up with what may have been our ramblings, but I hope you got something useful out of it. Um, my personal wish for you is for you to go and create a robust personal economy of your own and to live radical independence. And, and no matter what you do for a living, coach others to do the same because the more people that we can help be financially prosperous, our economy is better for everyone. We all benefit. I do not ever, I have never felt any jealousy 
or anger because someone else is more successful. In fact, I use it this way. Damn it, if he can do it or she can do it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. Look at it as a role model. And more and more, we're being taught just the opposite. That if you've done it, instead of me going to do it myself, I should take yours. Mm -hmm. Hell no. Go do it yourself. Mm -hmm. Get help. Plenty of opportunity out there. All right, folks. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you have enjoyed this episode, please go leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and uh, send us a note. You can reach me at steve at unstoppableceo.net. You can send a note for me, for John. I'll make sure he gets it. I will, if it is uh, making fun of his large head and physique, I will make sure <laughs> to deliver it personally to him. So thanks for being here, folks. We had a good time. Hope you did too. Goodbye. This episode of the Unstoppable CEO podcast is sponsored by the Unstoppable Agency. That is the agency part of our business where we work with professional service firms and create a done-for-you marketing program. And what that looks like is we actually sit down with you. We come together and define your ideal client with you. We go build a list of those people, and then we begin reaching out to them on your behalf to book them as guests on your podcast. We call it podcast prospecting. And it's a fantastic way to connect with potential clients and influencers that can refer you. And it's end-to-end -end a done-for-you system. And so if that's something that you think might be the right fit for your business, go to our website, go to unstoppableceo.net. You can uh, find there on the homepage a link to a video presentation that explains how it all works. And if you'd like, let's get together and have a quick 20-minute conversation and see if we're a fit. Again, that's at unstoppableceo.net. Right on the homepage, look for a link to the video that explains how it all works.